Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juice in the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I'm one of your hosts, Corwin Heller. And welcome to the show. It is the Thursday episode, which means we're recording this on October 13th, Wednesday at about 8 o'clock p.m. here on the East Coast. And today is the first day in quite some time that there is no playoff baseball tonight. I was joking with Corwin that that means I can finally get some sleep tonight. Oh, man. This is a, this is MLB giving you one last chance to, to oh. restore some semblance of rest to your eyes I, before the rest continues. I went to bed early last night to catch up on sleep on my own, and I woke up more tired than I have in weeks. I It's it's the, insane how it always works that way. I went to bed early. I, I Early, I still had to wait for, what was the late, the last game I watched? It wasn't, it was Braves Brewers, I think then. Um, I still got to bed at like 11 and decided to make the concerted effort to not watch the, Gi- the Giants-Dodgers game, woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning, by chance was like, eh, I'll check the score. <laughs> so so the Dodgers won and then went back to sleep. So I still don't feel like I got a full night's rest because of that. Um, yeah, fuck the Dodgers. No, oh, fuck somebody. Uh, anyway, since we last recorded, which um, I'm like afraid to listen back to because I'm pretty sure we should talk to every team that won, um, the ALCS is locked in. And the NLCS is one game away from being fully determined. And so uh, I guess we can start off here at the top of the episode, kind of just doing what we've been doing in regards to the playoff situation and give some updates and say how things have gone. Uh, And I guess we'll start with probably the more surprising one. And that is the Red Sox dragging their dicks over the entirety of the greater Tampa Bay area. Um, St. Petersburg. That's why I said the greater Tampa Bay area, because it's not Tampa Bay, but uh, I'd yeah. already committed to the statement. And even though you correctly hedged, I, I went with it. That's fine. So since the uh, the dad dicking that, <laughs> that the Red Sox administered to the, the Rays, we were like, oh, well, you know, that's to be expected. We'll see how they bounce back. And the Red Sox ended up bouncing uh, or the series, I should say, uh, came back into Fenway in which the uh, Dodgers, the Red Sox proceeded to walk off the Rays twice um, in back to back games to end up securing their spot in the ALCS. Game three ended up being a six to four 13 inning marathon, which was concluded by a two run walk off home run off the bat of Christian Vasquez. And then game four was a uh, 6-5 regular season, regular season, um, regulation, that's the word I was fucking looking for, regulation win, um, nine inning, would be a walk-off fly-out from uh, Enrique Hernandez. So, Kiki. Yes, Kike Hernandez. So, it was not so lopsided after that first uh, Red Sox win. They ended up taking both of the preceding games and again getting their spot into the ALCS. But, you know, taking two tied games into the ninth inning and one of which ended up going 13 seems to say that this was pretty close. And I couldn't help but thinking, you know, this really goes to show how random playoff baseball is. Because we're literally talking about the most of marginal difference you could possibly get. 
Rays won game one, six to nothing. So shut out and they put up a bunch of runs. Red Sox win game two, 14 to six. So, I mean, just an offensive slaughter. And then the next two games are so deadlocked that you could really argue them either way, uh, where the noise that is occasionally run creation ended up just barely swinging in one direction. And it's wild because entire seasons get judged based on postseason performance, rightfully or wrongfully, whatever, uh, but they do. And a little bit of noise resulting in the Rays getting bounced in the first round, I think probably takes a lot of luster away from the franchise's very first 100-game winning season. And I think when you look at the outcomes and you look at the game that the Rays play, I think you can kind of also understand that it just happened to go and hit some of their weak points. Like when you have the pitching rotation that they do, the depth that they do, where they are just an analytical numbers team when it comes to both how they view the pitchers and the amount of pitchers they use when they're it's not working and you give up a 14 run game like they did game two that can just happen when you have such a large number of variables in your pitchers and then at the same time you see the full opposite swing side of that where the first game and the last two games were relatively low scoring it's just the offense that they kind of been lacking in key moments throughout the season just kind of disappeared on them at least the last two games still putting up six runs in game two like that's that's not on your offense no very much so on your pitching and you know it it's tough because i i think oftentimes the criticism with using a lot of pitchers is well eventually one of them's gonna fucking implode and you know just by the sheer force of it everyone has a shit inning at some point in their month we'll say um, and the more times you use different pitchers, the more likely you may be to run into that day in a given month. Um, so there's something of a probability angle involved there, which again is often the criticism of using a lot of pitchers. However, the Rays have done this for the full year and won a hundred games doing it. So it's tough to be like, ah, well, it was bound to happen anyway when you have a significantly greater sample size telling you it often doesn't this is just the it's like losing a series against the Orioles like that that's really what this series felt like for me is look the Orioles have won series this season it has happened they lost over a hundred games but there are still some random series series is that the Orioles won does it mean anything no because they lost over a hundred games. And guess what? Sometimes really shitty teams win series. Like it happens. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that the team that lost is a bad team. It just kind of happens. It is what it is. And that's what the, the Rays implosion in pitching in game two. And honestly, their lack of great pitching for the subsequent two games really felt like to me is it's like, yeah, I mean, they gave up uh, over 20 runs in the last three games alone. Um, 
that doesn't mean that their strategy is bad. It doesn't mean that their pitchers are bad. It means that, hey, you got fucked. Sometimes you lose a series to the Diamondbacks. Sometimes you win a series against the Dodgers. Baseball's stupid. If the best team always won, you wouldn't play the season. There's no point. It would be the NBA. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Just get into the playoffs, you're fine. Coast all you want, rest all you want, doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I don't even mean it derisively. It's just everyone in the NBA understands that's what it is, and uh, Mm -hmm. baseball is is not. It's in the football. Yeah. You can lose seven games in the NFL and have a chance to make the playoffs most years. Yeah, especially if you're in certain divisions. Mm Mm-hmm. Hello, NL East or <laughs> NFC East. Jesus. We got you. We know who you root for. Oh, they make me sad, don't they? Hey, it's okay. We're probably going to finish last in our division this year. Welcome to the basement, friend. It is cold and wet and sad. Mm. <laughs> oh, the, the, the most jet green thing in that basement is the algae growing in the corner. Oh. <laughs> So anyway, I uh, I I think the Red Sox are getting a lot of love for winning this series, which is deserved. And I have no real but for it. They they fucking earned it. It's mm-hmm. tough to look at a team that I don't want to say barely made the playoffs because it sounds mean. But there was like a four way tie two days before the season ended, so barely made the playoffs. Getting hot at the right time, um, saying that they were expected to or whatever. Like there's so much randomness and noise with the playoffs that it's tough for me to say that the Red Sox are a complete barn burner of a team, but they Mm -hmm. absolutely are in the spot and it'll be interesting to see how they do against the Astros Uh, before we get into a matchup, but comparison between the two, do you, is your opinion changed at all from the ALDS of, of who the Red Sox or Rays for that matter are? Not really. I mean, the Red Sox showed that, you know, the offense can carry some of the pitching and the pitching can have its moments. And, you know, it has guys that can stand out. But at the end of the day, I, you know, I don't think it changes my opinion of the prospects of Boston throughout the playoffs or the Rays next year. I, uh, if anything, it has to give you a lot of faith in the Boston Red Sox to be a much better team next season because they're showing that their their offense did it against one of the most legit pitching, I don't want to say, I guess just pitching staff in general. Uh, in baseball, that is the race. They've been very, very good this entire season. And if they can just, if the Red Sox, they can just shore up their own pitching, you know, they'll really be a contender. Um, whereas the Rays, and that's why I'm, I'm, I'm trying to phrase this around not being mean to the Red Sox and you know, being understanding to, to the Rays because so much of this can just kind of happen. Um, so if I am a Rays fan, I'm super fucking annoyed, but I, I don't think I, I lose too much faith in my team. They clearly should. They won a hundred games. Like, how can you be mad about winning a hundred games? Um, I, but I am desperate, desperate for them to spend, uh, an ounce of, of money this, uh, this off season for like, for the love of God. So 
Do you think it hurts more for Rays fans because it came from Boston? If if I'm uh, yes, but not because of the division thing. It's because the last two teams that beat the Rays in the playoffs are both led by former Rays. Heim Bloom of the Red Sox came from the Rays. And uh, oh my god, I'm blanking on the name of the guy and the with the Dodgers. Oh my god, what's his fucking name? The GM, hold on. This is gonna piss me off too much. I don't know, GMs. You're in your room. I looked up GM of the Dodgers and Dave Roberts' name came up. And let me tell you, folks, the the GM of the Dodgers is not uh Dave Roberts. Uh Farhan Zaidi. He uh yeah, he is also a former Rays guy. And it's like, you know, if you're a Rays fan, that your, your, your research and analytics department is top fucking notch, and yet you're getting knocked out by the same dudes who also happen to have, like, the last big-ass stone on that fucking glove, which is money. You're getting beat by the analytics dudes that worked in your organization, took all of their knowledge and understanding of the mechanisms of how your organization is run and combined it with the one infinity stone you don't have or which your owner chooses not to indulge in. And that is fucking money. That's what I'd be pissed off about. You designed this entire system to get around that entire variable there in money. And then they just go ahead and use it with money yeah beautiful that yeah that's that that's really why i'm more mad than anything else sorry race fans but hey at least you went to a world series they've been to two now Ooh. look at you getting greedy (laughs) stop it Ah, uh, so let's I guess let's talk about the uh, the Red Sox incoming opponent, and that is the Houston Astros, uh, who, since we last talked, split the last two games with the White Sox, which still resulted in them winning the series since they had a two game to non advantage. The White Sox had a really fun game three where they came back from a five one deficit uh, to end up taking their game. Uh, what was the final score of that one actually? No. Mm-hmm. I think it was, uh, I'm going to guess seven to five. I don't really remember seven to six. Oh shit. 12 to six. I do not remember that at all. I must've checked <laughs> that after, after some of those runs. Um, and that was a super fun game. And there was a brief moment where I personally was like, Hey, maybe they did it. Maybe. Cause Corbin and I were talking like, uh, I was surprised that the White Sox were likely to get swept. Because it seemed like while they probably weren't better than the Astros, they were still a good team. And while sweeps can also be a little bit random, uh, they have a little bit of indication of true talent. And it is weird that the Sox would get swept. And so they didn't. They did not get swept. Oh, boy, did the loss after that win really just chap your ass because uh, 10 to one is not great, especially when you scored first and then didn't score the rest of the game and got 10 dropped on you as you did suspect things like cheer for a hit by pitch against Jose Altuve. Um, 
And uh, oh, there was something else wacky in that game. I don't remember. But uh, again, it, this is not surprising. I think this is probably if there was like a one of those, if you gave me a poll of all the different outcomes, the Astros winning the series three games to one, I think it was the one I probably would have picked. That sounds the most right based on where these organizations are. These teams are constructed, but uh, man, that one's got to hurt. I probably would have gone three, two in favor of the White Sox, but four, two. No, three, two. I was right. Three, two. You were right the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I still think they're better than that, but whatever. What do you think they need to do whatever. next season to get over their, I guess, this small playoff hump that they're in? Since they've now been um, two times. I mean, they're just so young. It's really just development, right? Health and development. Keep your young stars healthy. I mean, Kopech, Cease, Robert, Jimenez. They're all super young, relatively inexperienced. You know, one or two seasons under their belts each. And they can just keep getting better and better. And then you have, you know, the Lance Lanes, the Dallas Keuchel's, where it's just stay healthy and, you know, be our workhorses. But at the same time, don't get too old. I'm actually interested if they turn Dallas Keuchel into a bullpen arm. I wonder if they would swap Kopech and Keuchel. Because Kopech is going to be I a mean, Kopech's I'm def- convinced. Yeah, Kopech's definitely going to be a, a long, long-winded guy. Jesus yeah, and I wonder because Keiko had such a such a down season this year, but generally could be a ground ball left-handed pitcher when he's on. Uh, if maybe they put him in the bullpen to try to, I don't know, let him throw a, maybe a little bit harder. Guy. Yeah, you know, like maybe like a two-inning guy or like say, hey, we're not expecting to get five innings. Just go get two. Maybe yeah, just three if we need it. Take just, some pressure off. Mm-hmm. Let him, you know air out the ball a little bit more. He doesn't throw hard to begin with, so a dip in velocity. Air out your grievances. Yep. 91 to 89 is pretty fucking big. I don't know. Uh, but also, this is this was not a managerial masterclass from Tony La Russa. Color me shocked. Um, as he left his pitchers in at very weird times. Obviously, the the final game, the Carlos Rodon decision to leave him in for as long as he did was weird. Uh, And then, um, oh, damn it. I had another example off the top, and I don't remember what it was because that game was two days. What's he getting? No, that game was yesterday. Oh, my God. Hmm. Fuck. Wow. Josh, would you even say you're a baseball fan? I don't think I am anymore. Uh, I'm definitely a fan of that Kane guy. He was cool. I, I dug <laughs> that Kane guy. Citizen Kane. Um, but it was it was an odd series of events coming out of Tony La Russa. And I usually it's easy, I think, to point at bullpen decisions that don't pan out and go, fuck the manager. Why are you doing that? Um, because that can happen in, you know, like most games. But I got to say, a lack of aggression when you're in an elimination game is pretty noticeable because when you don't make a change from a reliever in game like 75 of the season and your starter gets rocked or your first reliever gets rocked and 
us fans can be like, ah, why don't you take the guy out? It's like, yeah, well, it's game 75 and you're playing like the Rockies and God, who cares? It didn't work (laughs) out. You're right. He should have put someone else in, but like, fuck, who gives a shit? But when it's a lack of aggression in an elimination game and your starter gets put into a hairy situation with the bases loaded and he's thrown a bunch of pitches and blah, blah, blah maybe you should have a pretty quick hook. And he just didn't. And it wasn't even, how should I say this? It's, it's not like he did anything else exceptionally that would kind of defend against, you know, the rest that we've talked about and, and seen over the course of the season. It's like, what does he do? better than anybody else that makes him worthy of holding on to this job. Like nothing. He, he's won before. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 30, 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Like what? I just don't get it. I don't get what, uh, what makes Tony La Russa of all people special. Yeah, it's a head scratcher uh, for reference. The Carlos Rodon, Incident I was talking about. Rodon comes in in the top of the third, strikes out Martin Maldonado um, on what looks like three pitches. Oh, sorry, six. Uh, he then hits Jose Altuve. So man on first. Deep fly ball to Michael Brantley. So that's our second out. Um, Altuve then steals second. He then walks Alex Bregman. Walks Jordan Alvarez. So now the bases are loaded. You got Altuve on third. Um, Bregman on second, Alvarez on first, and up to bat is Carlos Correa, who already smoked one off of Carlos Rodon earlier in the game. And at this point, you'd say, hey, bases are loaded. One of the best hitters in the lineup is up to bat. My guide has no command. All three base runners got on by the effect of shit pitching from a hit by like bad location hit by pitch and two walks maybe we should bring a michael kopech who's already hot no cope uh rodon is allowed to pitch to correa who doubles in three runs and the the astros never look back it's our two runs my mistake it's oh god it's just it's like one of those mindsets where it's like my guy versus his guy. I have more faith in my guy. It's like, well, yeah, but every piece of information and data that we have says, no, our guy's done. Let's go get the other guy. That's better. And he's like, no, my guy's got this. It's yeah. I, like you said, I don't know what he's bringing to the table that somebody else who is maybe younger, more with it, um, not Tony La Russa is, isn't bringing you, but we're not going to know the answer to that question. I got to say, though, if the White Sox can acquire some more pitching, I think that their hitting talent is there, even though it didn't show up for most of the games in this series. Because, uh, again, they're going up against a really good pitching staff in the Astros. Mm-hmm. So if the, if the White Sox can just figure out some of their own pitching and – I I don't know, show more in the regular season that uh, can show that they're doing something. I don't know what I, what I would I really, let me try to rephrase myself. Get, get some street cred. Show that you belong. 
Well, and I, I think it comes with it's it's going to be tough to win against the Astros if you it's going to be tough to win against tough teams in the playoffs if you don't ever pull away your division. Like what the Red Sox are doing is 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 magical. Like you can't bank on that. It's better. The one of the reasons the Astros are so good is because they play every game like it's a playoff game. And they and they're managed like every game is a playoff game. And the White Sox are not. The Yankees are not. Most teams aren't. And it, it's it's a it, that sense of grit and urgency, I think, is 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 a little bit missing there. Even though I think Tony La Russa is probably a hundred grit per nine in his mentality. I think he's just not. I don't know. I, I I have no confidence. I think is what I'm trying to get at with with this in regards to my Tony La Russa discourse. I have no confidence in that man. That's fair. You like what the, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know a good idiom for this, but you like what they got in the stables. You just don't like the jockey. I do. I do. That That is, is apt enough. Uh, for the Astros, their fifth straight uh, championship series. And uh, I don't give a shit anymore. I, I, I don't think I've given a shit for a couple of years, but I got us especially because they're playing the Red Sox. Like if it was anything to snap Yankees fans out of their own ass who are still butthurt about the cheating thing, they're playing the Red Sox root for the Astros. The Red Sox coached by one of the guys who helped them cheat. Versus the Astros who are managed by Dusty Baker, who seems like a sweetheart and has never won a World Series. Yeah. It's a fucking no brainer. One one is a team that you have been a, a, a rival of for like four to six seasons, depending on how you view that wild card game a few years ago. And one has mm-hmm. been your team's rival for a hundred years. It's not comparable. Root for the Astros. Don't be a little bitch. If you're not rooting for the Astros as a Yankees fan, and I'm not saying you're more okay with an Astros win or you're not watching. You just hope the Red Sox lose, or I wish both teams Mm -hmm. could fuck yourself. You're a bitch root for the Astros. It's very easy. You should want their shortstop on your team in a handful of months. Like don't be such a whiny fucking baby. I love your rationale. Whenever you talk about Yankees fans, don't make us look bad. Mm. Don't, if you're out there thinking, well, I have every right as a fan to be mad about this. No, you don't. No, you don't. You have no right as a fan to be still mad about the Astros. Absolutely none. You don't have rights. You have tickets to yeah. games that people play mm-hmm. and MLB decides, I guess, who those people are. And you can either root for those people or not root for those people. You don't have rights. You're a consumer. This is capitalism. Step out the way. Uh, I disagree. Fuck the Astros. Hate them as long as you want. Don't root for anybody. Why do you got to root for somebody? It's whatever team gets in. Why do you care? Because uh, you should hate the Red Sox vehemently if you're a Yankees fan. The appearance of those stupid pinched out little letters on their jersey should irritate the shit out of you. The color red should be persona non grata to your eyeballs in the month of October. Root for the Astros. Tequila Sunrise. 
I do like the tequila sunrise jerseys. It's a great jersey. It's a great jersey. They're one of, they're one of the best. They're like the uh, the baseball equivalent of uh, the Phoenix Coyotes. Uh, That's such a good jersey. Know, I don't know how to pronounce it, and I will not attempt it, but you know the jerseys I'm talking I, about. Yep. The second you said Phoenix, I immediately yep. know. What other team are you, is it going to be? Uh, exactly. Does Phoenix have another team? The Suns. In sports we care about? No, that was just me forgetting the Suns existed. Um, Plus, but yeah. They, don't they have a Phoenix they, University of Stadium? Don't they have a, a, a WNBA team too? Phoenix Mercury. I think they're in the finals right now. Is it the Mercury? Yeah. It's a horrible name. Yeah, because uh, the uh, in the sun. Uh, Diana Tau Tarasi Tarasi Tarasi. Yeah, I don't know. One of the, the greatest. That, basketball I think the last one was correct. Yeah. Tarasi. Yeah. Beyond. I always mispronounce her fucking name. Always. Phoenix Sorry, Mercury, yeah. Pretty much have the same logo as the Suns. It's pretty cool. I like when cities do that. Yeah, I actually almost thought for a hot second that when I said Suns, that was the WNBA team because I remember their jerseys being so similar. Didn't you get into basketball this year? I'm working on it. Uh, oh, yeah. actually, that's an interesting question um, or uh, subject that we didn't discuss before we got on. Um, the Nets are not allowing Kyrie Irving to yes. practice or play with the team unless he gets vaccinated. And it has become a very weird conversation. Very weird. It's uh, very weird because everyone knows he's not going to flinch, but at the same time, everyone knows he's wrong. And that's just kind of the point of, is he going to ever figure it out or is he just not going to play this year? At least in my mind, that's what my argument is with myself. Is he going to play this year? Or is he going to just give in? I mean, he had to retire stubborn. at this point. You know what I mean? If he's not going to play, I doubt the NBA gets rid of this policy. You know what I mean? So he's either getting the vaccine or he is retiring. Which, frankly, as stubborn as he is and seems to be as a person, I could see him just doing. I could see this totally being a, like Dennis Rodman scenario where it's just like, that's just kind of the guy he is. And when he does something crazy, it's like, all right, we just kind of need to accept that he's going to do those things. I think it's also tough because Kyrie has shown to be a very, very weird dude, but Mm -hmm. also genuinely a very good dude. He has given a lot of money towards charitable causes. He's donated a lot of money to HBCUs. He's done a ton of work. Uh, to try to elevate the WNBA in terms of its marketing and helping pay uh, players and staff during COVID. Like he is by all accounts, a very generous, very good dude. And, but at the same time, one of the, isn't he a, a players union rep? I w- I genuinely wouldn't be surprised. He seems like a really yeah. good guy in that way. And at the same time, he is absolutely being a little pick me bitch over this. Mm. I mean, he's kind of always had that mentality, that attitude. I mean, he left Cleveland and was like, I want to be the guy. Yeah, like, something about, like, wanting more for himself. And it's like, dude, you were, like, one and two with LeBron James. Or, like, wanting to go to the Celtics to, like, actually compete for a championship. And it's like, you were just playing with LeBron James. Like, what do you mean you didn't have any help? Like, didn't have any chance to win a championship? Like, 
you could have been Scotty Pippen. Like you would have been Scotty Pippen, just a honest to God, like easy unanimous Hall of Famer who also happened to play with the best player of all time. It's like, all right, that could have been them for 10 years, 15 years. And he left and he did the same thing in Boston where he's just like whining about not having a good enough team around him, even though he has Jason Tatum right there. And then now he's here and he's complaining more. You can't complain about not having help when you have James Harden and Kevin Durant and DeAndre Jordan, Joe Harris, and name 15 other players, but still finding ways to get attention. And it's it's a difficult conversation as well because – so obviously, like you said, for the talent part of it, if you're a Nets fan, I'd have to imagine that you're pretty fucking annoyed and you probably – but you probably st- still feel pretty good about your team because your team is stupid talented. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're a Kyrie fan, I, I don't – this is a tough week, I'd have to imagine, because, I mean – there's no reason for him to be doing this other than he's an asshole about the situation. Again, in every other context outside of basketball shit, he seems like a great dude. And I'm going to repeat that ad nauseum because I don't want to make this sound like I'm shitting on him as a person for in the whole, like he seems like a selfless man in the aggregate. And in this instance, he is absolutely being a selfish little asshole. And you know, there was a controversy a few weeks ago about LeBron James saying he got the vaccine, but not being going so far as to say he endorses the vaccine. And it was a conversation that we did not have on this podcast because it really didn't seem worth it. Um, that def- that felt very much so like, a, hey, if we had a daily four hour sports radio talk show, it's a thing to talk about, uh, but right. definitely not a twice a week, one hour sports show but this is this is i mean we're talking about a man who is willing to throw away his entire livelihood for a set of morals he just should not have for a belief system that is absolutely and it's in in a literal sense selfish and wrong Uh, it's the man who has every advantage going for him at this present point in, in his life and choosing very willingly, very publicly to make a horrible and wrong decision that apparently has his teammates not exactly jiving with him at the moment, as it seems like KD and Harden are both um, with the Nets organization on this. It's wild. I think it's really just turned into less of a stance on morals and more of just pure ego. Like, listen, if you had some honest to God beliefs about you know something super specific about this you would be making those arguments and you're not you're just kind of taking it and it's like no I don't want to get it if he was standing up and trying to be a voice for some minority group or some sort of not minority group and like the sense of the work he already does with minority groups more of just some bullshit essentially you can at least look at that at that objectively and say okay he has some reasoning behind it but he doesn't he has no ground to stand on and at this point it's just protecting his ego of hey Kyrie's got to be right 
Well, and he often does this shit where he's it's it really feels like he has to be special. He said that the world was flat and everyone was like, dude, you're mm-hmm. fucking stupid. And then they got walked back later by some people being like, nah, he's just kidding. He doesn't believe that. And it's like, oh, he seemed like he really did, though. Um, he, you know, does a bunch. He's a wacky dude. And you can forgive a lot of it because people are allowed to be wacky. They're allowed to do mm-hmm. weird shit. I mean, nothing wrong with it. But it you, you get the sense that the contrarian attitudes can only go so far. And I say that as an adamant contrarian. They, you can only go so far with that shit before it's just like, all right, you're not doing this because you genuinely see a different perspective on things. You're doing this because you're an asshole. And get, refusing to get a vaccine that's going to put your job at risk, it's going to put the people around you at risk at, for a disease that over 700,000 people in this country alone have died from, to put the whole season of the sport you play professionally on pause for like four months just last year, not getting it for what so that you can do your own and fuck this do your own research bullshit are you gonna start doing double blind studies out of your fucking house get out of here with that shit Agreed. It, and especially nothing when it's 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 a vaccine not just designed to protect you its main purpose is to protect all the others around you what how are you defending that it's not about you Kyrie it's about all the guys on the team that you're playing with it's about all the fans that are coming to see you play. It's about everyone else but you. And I think that's his problem. Uh, that and he has apparently no problem with standing in the same corner as like Ted Cruz and Ben Shapiro. And it's like, damn, man, if that doesn't scare the fuck out of you, you're lost. Ted Cruz is coming to your defense and you have not run for the hills. My man it's needs to just, charge into CVS. I think Kyrie has just kind of fallen too far down the Kanye West hole and is just, I don't want to say he's too far gone in the way that Kanye is just too far gone, but my goodness, it's, it's approaching fast. It's also just infuriating because he's not like a blue collar guy. Like he went to college. He went to I, don't, I don't, I don't, right. And I don't even mean to say that, like, he's not like people who don't get vaccinated are strictly absolute fucking morons, which I'm not not saying, but I'm not saying that. My point being, he went to college. You have to be vaccinated to go to college. He has 100 percent been vaccinated in his life. You have to be vaccinated to go to college. He went to college. It's a weird leg to st- it, there's no leg to stand on. It's a weird belief system to be improvising on the spot, which is why a lot of people are looking at him like you just won't pick me, bitch. It's like the people complaining about having to get like COVID shots for their kids going to school this year. It's now the fall kids are in school and have been for a couple of weeks. And it's like you did this last year. You did this two years ago. You did this five years ago. You've done this every year. Your kid already got vaccinated all the kids got vaccinated all of them are fine what are you freaking out about it's like what are you upset about with the vaccine why don't you want to get it why oh man we'll never know we will absolutely never know 
get vaccinated. Yeah, get vaccinated, folks. Go, go, go get it. Go, go gadget vaccine. <laughs> um, no, I guess we'll we'll get off of that topic because we're just gonna go around in circles because it doesn't make any sense. And uh getting mm-hmm. to another topic uh that uh, is, I'm sure we're gonna end up going around in circles on John Gruden got canned by the Las Vegas Raiders, and I had to fight myself to say the Oakland, not say the Oakland Raiders, because it, it still feels that way. Um, In my head, I still say that. I know, me too. Everyone said he's leaving Las Vegas, and I was like, oh, right. He's not just, like, there for vacation. Um, no, he works there. Good movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. fuck yourself. Um, yeah. He's getting canned as a result of a, a number of emails that got dredged up as the NFL was investigating the Washington football team and uh, recovered a lot of emails that he had sent um, during his time as an ESPN analyst that involved uh, apparently a lot of homophobic and racial slurs or at least stereotypes uh, and misogynistic language. And he didn't get fired immediately. He had said something along the lines of like, I'm not going to keep answering questions about it. Uh, I don't I'm, want to get back to football. Some shit no one cared about because it's what you say when you get caught. Uh, um, and now I he's actually distraction for my team. Right. Which is actually what his resignation letter said, because he technically resigned, but I'm sure he got told. Bitch, he did resign, not resign by choice. Yeah. Right. He did not do it on moral grounds. Right. Otherwise, he would have done it, you know, uh, when or this shit first broke. <laughs> exactly. So he's officially been canned. I guess we'll start with that. Oh, man. It's um. are you surprised that he said it or that he got fired? Both. I am very much not surprised he said it. I'm a little surprised. You know what? I'm not surprised with how quickly he got fired because I definitely think Mark Davis, as goofy as he is, saw what just happened with Urban Meyer and was like, I don't want to wait for more information to come out and have to stick by this guy because I already had a press release. I'm just going to get this out of the way and avoid that entire scenario. Also, Al Davis was a a big um, supporter of racial justice issues in his time. I would not be surprised if Mark Davis's beliefs were less so aligned with his dad's because, you know, second generation money, but still there, you know. Um, I am surprised by how quickly he got fired. It usually just feels like one of those things where it's like, we have to do a full investigation. Um, I John Gruden is our coach and we're going to stand by him until proven otherwise. It's so uh, frustrating to see the old sports guys get caught up in this stuff because it's like, yeah, of course it's you. Like, I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm I like, it's it's shit to get the constant reminder of every white guy in sports probably feels like this because of the selection bias of the type of people who are, you know, chosen to to lead a team or get the opportunities to lead team, blah, 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 blah. Um, the that guys it's like who uh, entered the old white men's club of the NFL. 
of the NFL and also just in general. Like, you know, uh, if, if, if you if you threw a dart at a picture board of MLB managers, NHL head coaches, um, may, maybe not maybe not basketball GMs, but still probably basketball GMs. I'm willing to bet if we search through their personal emails, text messages and other forms of communication, we find some very untoward behavior. Um, and man, it fucking sucks. I, I, I guess the silver lining here is that the right thing ended up happening, but it, it's barely a silver lining when you consider the fact that he was just, he sent that shit from like John Gruden at gmail.com. He wasn't like saying like I uh, derogatory slurs about gay people offhandedly drunken at a bar on Saturday to like his best friend. He said that shit to a colleague from his personal or like work email with his name on it sent on the internet forever. Do you know how fucking strongly you have to believe that shit's cool for you to do that mm-hmm. shit? Dude, it's I a, feel bad when I include too many exclamation marks in my emails. One and done. Never more than one. I try so hard um, to sound polite. Eh. Anyway. It, and it's not like this is, you know, a Kevin Durant burner Twitter account where he's, you know, saying this stuff still with anonymity and, and with no weight behind it. It's like people you're sending it to are like your subordinates to some extent. Some of them were to your superiors. Some of them were to your subordinates. But like this is a professional office setting to some extent. I know, man. That's the part I just can't fucking get my head around it's, like it's just the openness and how accepting it was like you don't send that blindly without knowing that hey this isn't going to get me fired at right least right now it's like the first time you curse in a professional atmosphere like and I changed jobs over the pandemic. So I was reminded once again of like what it's like trying, you know, dropping an F bomb for the first time around to coworkers because you know, uh, so far it hasn't gone poorly ever. Um, but it, it, there is a brief moment where it's like, all right, we all going to be cool with some very foul language. Usually the answer is yes, because guess what? Almost everybody uses foul language. Yeah. You know, what's weird about everyone being cool with you saying a homophobic slur. Chances are that's because everybody's saying that shit that you're in that conversation with. That's horrible. That's horrible. And you know what else is pretty shitty? John Gruden might be the sacrificial lamb on this shit. Mm-hmm. This was not an investigation into John Gruden. This was an in- investigation into. Emails. No, they don't, Corwin. They have 650,000 emails. 300. Oh. 650,000. I don't know. I heard him talking about it on ESPN the other day, which is also kind of hilarious because it's like he did this while he was at ESPN. And now ESPN is like, how dare someone say such foul things to our coworkers? <laughs> it's like, oh boy, they're <laughs> really me. tiptoeing around this shit. I never got I really these emails. To speak up because I was CC'd on that email. I was on vacation <laughs> those months. <laughs> but I, I mean, oh like this was an investigation into the Washington football team. This was an investigation to Dan Snyder, the owner of the team. And they came out with this shit against a head coach of a team in a different fucking conference. 
I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if nothing ended up happening. And I don't mean nothing happening. Nothing came out on Dan Snyder at all. And a bunch of random coaches and sports media personalities ended up biting the dust over this shit just to cover an owner's tracks. It's an investigation being done by the NFL, you know, the organization run by the owners. They're going to absolutely internal affairs this shit and say, we've investigated ourselves and we didn't do anything. But let me tell you about them motherfuckers over there. Yeah, you really think you're going to have a boys club out one of their own for something they were all doing themselves, at least to some extent? Never going to happen. It might happen. You never know. Crazy things happen. We all see it. We all want it to happen. People are really pushing to get the rest of the emails released, which I would fucking love, as we as would we all. But we'll see. I got to tell you, on a mildly unrelated note, I'm so tired of media stories ending with, will they release the emails? We were waiting for the rest of the emails. I feel like I've been hearing that since 2016 about every single thing that's happened in, in every aspect of media political and otherwise it's all about the why is all this shit about the emails i'm done with the emails i want i want them to be waiting for for the snapchat metadata we're we're just waiting on his instagram dms genuinely one of the most powerful blackmail you know groups of data you know stores of data you could possibly imagine snapchat snapchat will end the presidency one day I really can't wait for the day where politicians start getting judged based off of their like Facebook posts from when they were like 13 in 2006. Cause now it's I like can't. Facebook posts. You can lie and be like, my campaign pushed that out there because it was 2012 and I was a mayor mayor and I didn't know how Facebook worked, but there's going to be like when, when our age of people end up running for office and they've got really cringy shit on their Twitter feed from mm-hmm. 2008 that they had a text into Twitter using 40404, there's going to be some funny ass things out there. I'm excited. I can't wait till we go from just absolutely vilifying, rightfully so, Anthony Weiner for sending dick pics to just openly judging just the taste of our future president's dick pics after they get leaked. Or the quality of their memes. Ooh, that's true. That's very Imagine true. A, a presidential candidacy ending because of bad meme quality. Oh, my God. Imagine someone changing their vote based off of the memes that they've made. Oh, or like some use that Bojack meme a lot. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no, to be fair, though, if like some politician was like, leaked to have been one of like the old rage comic memers that would that would change my opinion of them for sure or if they were like a, a ratio person someone who just commented ratio under mm. everything like a little fucking bitch first, first <laughs> why are all of your youtube comments first uh, oh, i went through a rough time in high school just like in the middle of the debate um bringing that up and it's like huh, that's what your wife said oh because it's all gonna be memes forever memes life is memes truly life is um memes. 
You know what I just realized after we had massively pivoted topics? What? We never talked about the National League Championship Series. Yeah, fuck them. It's not the Padres. Uh, Giants-Dodgers heading the game five. <laughs> it's just ridiculous to go back to this now. Oh, God, we got so far off topic. Oh, God. Giants and Dodgers are going to game five. That game's getting played. If you're listening to this on Thursday, it's getting played on Thursday today. Um, does it matter who wins this game? No. Whoever wins this game is winning the National League. Oh, that's almost certain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like obviously, it's certain that the White Sox are going to put up a fight and the Rays are going to sweep the Red Sox. It's certain. As it is written, so shall it be. Um, yeah. Maths. I. Oh, wait. Hold on one second. Okay. Wait, hold on. I feel it's all right. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. So Farhan Saidi is the GM of the Giants. I think I read him as being the GM of the Dodgers at first. I did. So that's not right. Who is the GM of the Dodgers? Because I was going to say something about GMs and now I don't know who the GM of the Dodgers is. Oh, Andrew Friedman. That's who it is. My bad. I, I knew it was wrong and I'm going back to that because I was going to say um, obviously in talking about how to view who wins this matchup, you, you might talk about uh, the Dodgers being this big, expensive machine that is super well-organized and runs super efficiently and spends money and develops players well. And that's really, really good for baseball because it involves spending money in addition to being analytically inclined. I will also say, though, that the, the Giants winning has a relatively similar uh, read on the consequences or repercussions there might be a more apt word because they also did something similar. Yeah. They were kind of still rebuilding as they ended up winning all of these fucking games, but they did so by being smart and spending some money. Obviously they didn't spend nearly as much as the Dodgers, but they, they still went out and actually used money in addition to smarts to actually win games. Whereas it seems like what the Rays do yeah, they pick up some contracts here and there, but a lot of it seems to be trading to get more years of control on players that they can develop um, in the system and, and, at, and at the major league level. Whereas what the Giants did is they actually acquired some guys and, and spent some of their own money to improve. The, the, the Giants finished top 10 in payroll for uh, 2021 with $164 million of payroll. Whereas, where do you think the Rays are here? 20th? 26th. 70 million, 70.8 million. So, I, I mean, it really, and the Dodgers finished first in payroll, 267 million. Um, so obviously the, the, the Giants spent $100 million less than the Dodgers. And maybe you, you'd want to say, well, yeah, that's bad. For baseball, they didn't spend as much. I, I don't think so. Because honestly, if every team spent around $160 million, that's great. 
That's that. That's absolutely great. And you know what? I bet if the Rays shelled out 90 million more dollars on slightly better free agents or less risky, maybe pitching pieces, guys of that ilk, maybe, maybe they'd have had an edge against the Red Sox. Obviously, that's all speculative and hypothetical. But at the same time, the Giants are really well positioned in part because they ran a payroll and the, the Rays didn't. And so I don't give a shit who wins this. I think if you're a Dodgers fan, you might you probably feel a lot more pressed because you've had this gigantic seven year window and you've amassed a single ring and a shortened season and everyone will make fun of you forever if you don't want another one because it won't look as real. Uh, And if you're a giant fan, this is fucking gravy. You know, you weren't expecting to be good. You won 107 games. You snapped the Dodgers streak of winning the division and you're, you could have a chance to ask fuck them in the playoffs. I mean, what more could you fucking ask for? So uh, I agree. It doesn't really matter who wins. I, I think baseball wins from this game. This series going five games. I completely agree with that. I would want nothing more than to see this go to five games because what better matchup are we going to get in the playoffs through and through this World is a series yeah no. this is yeah this is this it. is the best the best games we got logan one putting out a gem would be great what more could you ask for what more Two could you ask for um the brewers lost lost to the braves which is weird neither team weird. played particularly great baseball. Um, Obviously you might want to give some credit to the um, Braves, Jesus pitching staff over their performance. But honestly, I don't, I don't give them any credit because the Brewers are not a team that hits well. And boy, did they put that shit on display these past couple games. So when we had last talked, uh, the Brewers and Braves have combined for like four runs in their first two games combined. Let me get an actual full thing for you. Hold on. Uh, hold on. Holding. Hold on. Still holding. Yeah, in the first two games of the series combined, they put up six runs between the two teams. Granted, in the second two games of the series, both teams combined for 12 runs, double their previous production, but none of it's still particularly very impressive as the Braves finished the series with 10 runs scored across four games, an average of two and a half runs per game. And sorry, that's the Brewers. Oh, wait, shit. Sorry. my <laughs> I'm, an, I'm an asshole. One's home, one's away. So the Brewers finished with six runs scored across four games, an average of one and a half runs per game. And the Braves finished with uh, 12 runs scored or an average of uh, three runs per game. And neither of those is really great. Mm-hmm. I mean, neither, still neither of those is, is what the Red Sox did in one game. I know that's the Red Sox. They had a great series, but even the Rays, who also lost in four games, scored managed to score a total of 11, 15, 20 runs across their four games. This is just fucking ugly. I mean, I'd argue, you know, 
that sucks for the Braves having to go against that Brewers rotation and their pitching staff. But man, the Brewers up against the Angels or the sorry Atlanta's pitching is just a sponge in a soft place. I just don't know which one's worse. Uh, um, I I give credit to the Braves for you know sticking out a tough season. They lost Ronald Acuna Jr. to injury, and they lost a whole bunch of people to to injury over the course of the season. Significant pieces, not just like random guys. Like every team loses injury at some point during the season, mm-hmm. um, and they managed to overcome that adversity, make it to the NLCS. But oh boy, does it just like the they did it in the least interesting way possible. They won the shittiest division in baseball and then eked out a really close series against one of the shittiest hitting teams in baseball after wildly underperforming for the entire season. Yeah. I am very disappointed in the Brewers, very disappointed in the Brewers, but at the same time, this could be seen as the beginning of their window since their pitching rotation is phenomenal and I think I'd have to double check myself, which I'm going to save until we start doing free agent stuff, but I think it's still under control for a decent number of years. So they have to attack the position player market come free agency. I mean, cause if, if this is the beginning of a window, I mean, with the way their pitching is, if they could just get a couple fucking bats, this team's lethal. But- Who is someone you'd want to see go there? Um, hmm. Matt Olson would make so much sense for them. First base is a nightmare for them. They haven't had a first baseman ever. I mean, they're running out of a platoon of Rowdy, Tellez, and um, Daniel Vogelbach. Ugh. That's that's just awful. That would be really cool, especially since he just smashes. He would destroy that ballpark. Um, and plus, he plays a really, really good first base. Mm. I'm just trying to think of like their depth at this point, and it's just empty. Black hole, black hole, black hole. Let me just see who's on the market for. Oh, Nolan Arenado has an option, but he's not going to take it. Well, he might just to resign a bigger deal with uh... St. Louis. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Let me see just unrestricted free agents. I don't want to see any player options. Just getting in the way. Freddie Freeman's a free agent. That'd be pretty cool. I uh, really do see him resigning in Atlanta. I do as well. Nelson Cruz is a free agent, but it's not a it's a it's a National League ballpark, so that doesn't make any sense. Uh Carlos Correa would be interesting, but I'm not sure they'd be willing to spend the money. Oh, is Adonis after... playing short for them, or did he move over to? Second? No, Adonis is playing short for them. Granted, okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with still going after another big name shortstop, even if you have Adonis, because I mean you could just play him at second or third and have a really really good team. You'll figure like what the fucking uh the Padres, Padres. do. You'll you'll yeah. figure it out, man. Get good players. Guys get hurt. Guys get hurt have utility guys that can play all over the diamond. You're good to go. I mean, Keston Juarez, I know, is still there in some extent after having a pretty hard year. Um, 
if they still think he's the future at second. I don't know. But at the same time, like I said, you got you got the space. You got positions all over that need filling. Yeah, it's it's a weird group of people. So uh, Chris Bryant is a free agent. Trevor Story, Freddie Freeman, Carlos I'd Correa. Love, I'd love to see Bryant resign in San Fran. I would love to see him go to the Brewers, if we're being honest. Uh, but I think it's probably mm-hmm. pretty likely he resigns in, in San Francisco. Um, Bios would be awful for this team, so absolutely not. Not personality-wise, so like play-wise. Uh, Anthony Rizzo, that'd be a great pickup for them, too. Oh, Marcus Semi. Actually, Marcus Semi would be super interesting because hmm. of how they'd align that, that, that infield defense. Hmm. Brandon Bell, but I doubt he'd leave San Francisco unless San Fran goes out and acquires somebody else. Uh, Chris Taylor, but he's a utility guy. Mm-hmm. Eduardo Escobar, who's currently on that team. Um, Jan Gomes. Oh, Jesus, this is getting sad quick. Not a great free agent year, I presume. It's, We're already it's, running it's, out of names. It's top heavy, and the top is like all shortstops. Man, yeah, there's like no outfielders here. Mark Cannon. Which honestly is their biggest need. I mean, they have what, Lorenzo Kane at 35 years old and Jackie uh, Bradley Jr. Uh, with his 35 OPS plus on the season. Yeah, uh, 35. I don't care how good your defense is. That can't, that's not major league ball player in any capacity. Uh, I know. Anyway, I I feel good about the Brewers for the future. If they can do something with their with their batting, they're going to have to make some trades based on how this free agent market looks. But we'll get more into that as free agency draws near, especially as maybe maybe the CBA changes. Uh, the Braves against one of the Giants or Dodgers, I don't think stand a fucking chance. No. Hard agree. All right, so now we're now we're done <laughs> with baseball. Yeah. Now we've gone through all of them. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm making sure. Yeah, all right, we're good. Um, we talked about maybe doing like an MVP thing, but we'll probably save that for later. Um, okay. Yeah, we'll save it. The uh, NFL is is churning and moving along in the wake of the John Gruden noise, but there is also very, very good play happening, but uh, we should really give a full discussion for that. Um, uh, is there any other any other shit that came up in the past week or so? I think we covered all of, uh, all of our major topics for the day. Yeah, I mean, nothing jumps out. Yankees are apparently consider- strongly considering rehiring Aaron Boone. Uh, I don't want him, but I also don't care. It's going to come down to free agency, folks. Whether the Yankees keep Boone or don't keep Boone, um, I think is uh, an emotional decision more so than anything else. Um, I mean, from Yankees front office and from the players uh, and from us as the fans, like it's all. It, I don't think Boone's a world-shatteringly great manager, but um, very few are. They just kind of have to not suck. And I don't think Boone sucks. I just don't like him. Um, but what's going to 
matter more than anything else is the players who sucked in 2021 not sucking in 2022. Like, uh, hey, Gleyber Torres should be a better hitter like he's supposed to be. DJ LeMahieu should be not unplayable. Um, Gary Sanchez probably needs to take it a step forward or something. First base needs to not be a nightmare for 75% of the season. Brett Gardner shouldn't be getting regular play in center field. Like there's a lot of other, it's It's going to come down to player acquisition in the off season, not who ends up staying or going as manager. So yeah, who cares? Other than, hmm, other than Correa, who's somebody that you would want to target. Oh, well, Matt Olson. Right. You did say Olson. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would love some, some sweet, sweet Matt Olson. Um, outside of that, I really haven't looked outside of what we just did at the free agent market. If Freddie Freeman actually is available, I fucking love Freddie Freeman. Um, if Matt Olson doesn't work out, you could resign Anthony Rizzo. I think he was great. Um, but it's going to, I'm going to have to also start looking at, uh, potential trade partners to see what else we can do. Maybe at third base or at uh, center field. We'll see. Huge, huge area of need for the Yanks center field. Well, if you need a first baseman, I bet the Padres would be willing to move Eric Cosmer. Give me Mike Trout. No, like Mike Trout. Michael Fishman. Uh, no, we'll just trade for Bryce Harper. Hmm, Mr. MVP. Yeah. I think All right. MVP this year. He stands a good shot. We'll find out. Well, let's uh, let's just wrap it up here because at this point we're just trying to <laughs> desperately looking for things to talk about. So this is a shorter one, which is A-OK for us. We uh, tend to run long, so I'll savor this. Uh, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Juicing Pod. You'd like to uh, hit Corwin up. You can do so at Corwin Heller. I'd like to follow myself on Twitter. You can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. Uh, if you'd like to send emails to the show, you can do so at juicethenumbers at gmail.com. And until Monday, y'all have a good one.